Hello and welcome to The Lending Bean, a podcast by Findu featuring engaging conversations around the theme of effortless lending. We're glad you decided to join us. In this episode, I'm speaking with Ronald Cleverland and Dan Dijkhausen about startup finance. We'll dive deep into trending topics such as the role of incumbent banks in startup finance, the importance of vertical knowledge, fintech financing versus social financing, and venture capital's insane obsession with unicorns. This show is being recorded from Plek in Amsterdam, which is billed as the biggest, greenest restaurant in the Dutch capital. It's on the north side of the Eye River, and today is a little bit of a grey day with wind blowing, but you may hear some of the soundscape of this giant hall in which we're sitting. This is The Lending Bean. Hello, my name's Mike Cooper, and I'm your host for this, the fourth edition of The Lending Bean. I'd now like to introduce today's guests, Dan Dijkhausen and Ronald Cleverland. Dan Dijkhausen is managing partner of Constellation VMS Ventures, a $200 million fund set up to invest in early-stage vertical market software initiatives. VMS Ventures aims to invest in up to 40 companies over the coming four years. Dan has a master's degree in industrial engineering and management science, and in his spare time, he is CEO of Topicus, a leading pan-European provider of vertical market software platforms. And great coincidence, Topicus is also a owner of Findu, sponsor of this podcast. Our second guest is Ronald Cleverland. Ronald is chairman of the Dutch National SME Financing Foundation, Stichting MKB Financiering, and director of the European Centre for Alternative Finance at Utrecht University. Ronald holds a master's degree in business information systems, and he graduated on deep research into the financial support which Dutch universities give to entrepreneurs in the Netherlands. The SME Financing Foundation represents companies which provide alternative finance for SMEs, such as invoice trading, short-term loans, crowdfunding and credit unions. Welcome to you both. Now, as is the tradition of the lending bean, we'd now like to find out more about your warm beverage habits. It's a slightly uh, offbeat way to begin the podcast. Um, so we'd like to find out about the coffee and tea or water or anything else drinking habits of our guests. So I'd like to start with you first, Ronald. Are you a coffee or a tea or a water person first thing in the morning? First thing in the morning, I'm really a coffee person, yes. Ah, coffee. Uh, and what type of coffee, if I may ask? Uh, cappuccino in the morning. Cappuccino in the morning. And do you then graduate to a black coffee later? More or? black coffee later, yes. Ah, interesting. Yes. Interesting. You take that milky start. Excellent. Dan, how about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, but in the morning to get my heartbeat pumping, uh, I need a double shot espresso. Okay. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Excellent. Then I graduate to cappuccino. And like an ah. Italian afternoon, you don't drink any cappuccino any right. longer. I'll take new espressos until wow. uh, 4, 4 so, p.m. And then excellent. So that's like inverted in a sense, that you start with the cappuccino and go to the, the stronger stuff, and you start with the strong stuff and then go to the cappuccino. That's an interesting, perhaps that will be reflected, those characteristics will be reflected in your, in your uh, funding uh, background. Let's find out. Um, the lending bean uh, focuses on lending because change happens where money flows. And unfortunately, lending is difficult for banks and for customers. Consequently, the lending landscape is full of gaps. Uh, and today we're focusing on closing the lending gaps in the startup finance scene. Perhaps I could turn to you first, Ronald. Uh, your research shows, I believe, that startups often take an alternative finance route. Um, why do you think that's so? 
So it's it's a long time ago. It started already. So uh, over ten years ago, we saw after the financial crisis, we saw a lot of banks uh, redrawing from the um, f- from the financing of startups, financing of SMEs, mm-hmm. um, more and more opening up the possibilities for new startups, uh, st- uh, fi- fintech startups to to access that market. Uh, it started really with small loans, small uh, financing, but uh, nowadays you see it's gr- it's growing to larger funds, so uh, several millions of euros for every loan, for example. And while 10 years ago it was really small and only a few hundreds of these companies were able to attract funding, uh, our latest research shows that more than 55,000 Companies uh, raised funding through alternative finance in 2022 alone. Wow, 55,000 in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands alone. Wow. So and and raising up to more than four billion euros. So it's getting, especially for smaller loans, up to 250,000 euro. Yeah. Uh, more than 21 percent of the loans are currently being distributed through alternative finance. So it's getting uh, a bigger percentage of the market already. Right, that's 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 very interesting. I gather you've got you've recently published an an annual report on non-bank financing. Uh, do you have any other interesting findings from that report, which 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 got your attention? What was interesting was that all types of alternative finance were growing uh, year after year. So it's not just crowdfunding, not just invoice trading. Um, we see this all over the industry. Uh, every uh, industry is growing, and it's not. Currently, not just the small tickets. It's also the tickets above 1 million. So we see now also more than 1 billion of that 4 million is now distributed through loans of 1 million euro of, or more. Right. And that some, has something to do with real estate, uh, of course, uh, because there you have a collateral and makes it easier to lend bigger amounts of money. Uh, but in general, we see where, well, it started a couple of years ago by loans under the 50,000 or under 250,000 euro. Uh, alternative lending is moving to the larger tickets nowadays. Right, big, bigger money is involved. If I could turn to you, Dan, um, you're more from the from the venture capital side of the business. Isn't, isn't venture capital financing just like a glorified lottery? Uh, yeah. If you look at it from, uh, you mentioned it before in your intro, the, the unicorn perspective, right. uh, it, it turns out to be a lottery. Uh, and it can be uh, very fruitful. There are these big players, Y Combinator in California, for example, that, uh, that invests uh, in over 150 uh, uh, investees per annum. Right. And, and they know that they will be successful in 10%, 10% of the cases. Right. And success is then defined as being cash flow neutral. So it is a big time hit. Uh, and, and of the, I think, over 3,500 uh, investees that they have in their portfolio, yeah. 0.3%. <laughs> Ends up as a unicorn. 0.3% <laughs> is unicorn. So that, that's kind of insane, is it? Well, not insane. It's a, it's, I suppose it's, it's a policy. It's a it way can to be do lucrative. It. But I assume that's not what VMS Ventures does. No, no, no. We want to address a, a completely different part of the market. And that's the, the SME part. Uh, uh, the startups that don't particularly aim to become the next unicorn. This obsession with unicorns to, to build the one billion. Yeah. Uh, dollar companies and they never define what one billion is. Is it a market cap or is it ref or is it what is it? Revenues? Yeah, it just uh, have a good, that number. One billion, billion sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's a lot to be uh, done uh, and to be renewed and innovated uh, in what we call vertical markets. Okay. So, could you perhaps explain what that is 
or what they are? Yeah, I'm a software guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we define the market in uh, horizontal markets and vertical markets, and everybody knows the horizontal markets. It's Microsoft, it's Oracle, it's Outlook. It's what everybody uses, right? Uh, independent of the industry that you work in. And then you got vertical market software, and that's really focused on a specific industry, uh, which addresses the specific needs of uh, yeah the businesses operating in that area. Right, um, uh, Ronald, and, and the addressed oh, markets for uh, sorry, yeah, sorry, the addressed markets on. are a lot smaller than uh, as a result of that. Because if you take the the market of the plumbers, yeah, as not a big market, but it does need its own enterprise resource planning platform or system. Right, and we like to to back. Uh, uh, yeah, the vertical market experts that want to innovate. Right, thanks for that. Um, Ronald, do you, have you seen through your studies or uh, your research with your institutions um, to what extent the type of finance a startup receives uh, dictates the success or the behavior of the, of the company that evolves? Sure, there are links indeed. Uh, and uh, like Dan said, uh, if you get money from a venture capital firm looking really for being the next unicorn, right? you are constantly raising funds. So as an entrepreneur, you're only looking for the next funding round. Uh, and you're not working on your product, you're not working on your, your customers, you're working on raising additional funding. Right. And of course, there's a completely different, different focus. And this also gives already um, um, a selection bias in the type of entrepreneurs that receives startup funding. Ah, interesting. Because a lot of these uh, startup founders don't want to raise funding like that or don't want to build a company that's the next unicorn and takes over the whole industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that means that we also miss a lot of entrepreneurial uh, possibilities here. Right. So there is a lot of entrepreneurial cap- capital uh, available from uh, very talented startup entrepreneurs but they don't want to become a unicorn, but they want to build a nice business. And of course, a profitable business, they want to hire people, they want to grow, but they don't want to grow too exponential. Right. Dan is nodding in agreement there. Is that similar to your uh, style of funding? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have lots of discussions lately with people from TechLeap and uh, there's some royalty involved. uh, And and I'm in argument with those people because they're actually hunting for the next unicorns here in the Netherlands. And the the result of it is that they bring those people to the States and and let them be funded in a round after round after round cycle. Uh, So you're not quite understanding what Tech Leap is. Is this this, uh, American uh, venture capital funds which are coming in to spot the talent in the Netherlands and and, and seduce young entrepreneurs with big money? Is that... No, it's a, it's a Dutch corporation that actually wants to ignite the entrepreneurial spirit and find the next Adyen, find the next Airbnb. Mm. And I think that's a wrong purpose. I think you okay. have to, to address the market that's Ronald also addressing. And it's the SME entrepreneur that just want to build a business of 10 million euros in revs over 10 years, uh, being uh, nicely profitable. So these um, are more modest businesses who, who are basically looking for uh, some honest cash to expand, but not to take over the world, as it were, but to just to build up a solid business. They could end up very successfully and conquer the world anyway. Yeah, <laughs> well, yes, indeed. But I don't think that's planable. But, so you guys have a lot of a lot in common in terms of the way that you're the you see funding, but you, there is a lot of differences as well into the way that you approach the type of funding. Perhaps Ronald, you could explain the the alternative types of funding which you which you know most about. 
So uh, what we see in the Netherlands is we are a very debt-oriented country. Uh, that's compare if, if you compare it to the US, for example, more uh, startups more are looking into venture capital, equity type of funding. It doesn't have to be unicorn funding, but at least business angel funding. Uh, and in the Netherlands, we mostly focus on traditional lending so we and what we've seen in the last decade the it's a replacement from bank fi- financing to alternative financing right but the type of funding remains the same so it's still uh, a, a low a fixed loan for a long term long time right uh, with a fixed interest rate and now we see some changes happening there so there's more innovative happening with other types of alternative finance providers okay Either they just, uh, uh, like Dan said, also in the fintech, in the alternative finance industry, we see these verticals now where uh, uh, companies are focusing on different types of uh, financial products that they're offering, either asset-based financing, so such as lease or invoice trading, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, solutions such as crowdfunding, where you have uh, a group of individuals uh, investing in a specific company, either in a loan or in equity. Right. Um, so we see some changes there, uh, but also revenue-based financing models. So it's more in, in, in between between a loan and equity. So you're receiving the funding. Right. You don't have to give away equity. Um, but you, uh, the, the the repayments you have to give to the investors are based on your revenues. Okay. So it's uh, you are more on the same time sides of the table. Uh, so it's you a can success based. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but yes. it's like success based. So you don't have to pay back if you lose money. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. But if you do make a, a decent money, then you will repay your loan uh, accordingly. Yes, and there's there are a lot of a lot of companies are trying to innovate and to find models that work because there is not a lot of uh, track record yet. So mm. they are trying to find out what is the, the right model also in what industry, because some industries uh, have longer return t- uh, times for return. Uh, some of them can focus on a very short uh, term. And right. for, the, for the short type of financing, for example, we also see embedded finance solution. Okay. And that's in different types of financing where the, the end user will get the funding through one of the big tech or other uh, big financial players like RGN, like we told uh, in in the past. Mm. If you're a shop owner and you are using RGN software, you can get a loan directly instantly in in a minute from RGN, for example, because they know all your transaction details. Yeah. How does that differ to the way that VMS finances? I mean, that's quite a different ball game, I gather. Yeah, VMS Ventures uh, funds through equity. Right, uh, equity only. So uh, we use a preferred share uh, mechanism mm-hmm. uh, because we take the, the risk, the startup risk. Uh, <laughs> so you can compare that with uh, with a fixed instrument. Um, um, but what differentiates us is that we are in there forever. So okay, <laughs> you never sell. <laughs> no topic is, but also Constellation Software and the VMS Ventures Fund uh, mm-hmm. will never sell. So um, okay. Yeah, we want we like to build enduring companies, right? Uh, and that means that you're not going to sell, but that you will back and support your investees uh, forever. Right? Is that an unusual approach? It's not something that because when I'm thinking about this as as someone who knows very little about it, it's just like you want to sell them because you've got your unicorn, and then you sell, and then yeah. you and then you're 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 rich and famous, and that's the end. Yeah. 
So how does it work if you never sell? So if you want to become rich, famous, and a billionaire, mm -hmm. you have to go to another <laughs> another, uh, <laughs> another uh, venture shop. capitalist. Yeah. No, okay, fair. But, that's but fair if enough. you want to build a fair An company and you want to live from dividends, you can become a millionaire. Definitely, uh, we we have created several millionaires. What is success when it comes to a startup? I mean, when is a startup successful? Yeah, good, good question indeed. And that, that really depends on the entrepreneur. Therefore, what I mentioned earlier is that there are different types of entrepreneurs. Uh, some of the entrepreneurs, they want to become a billionaire. Uh, these are indeed the people that are in the Tech Leap uh, network and they want to start the next unicorn. But most of the people just want to, want to build a nice business. And we in the Netherlands, but also in Germany, we have a lot of family businesses, for example. They also don't sell. They want to right. keep the business in the family and they want to have their children and their grandchildren and then their children to run the business. So this is a different type of, of running a business. And is that successful? I would say yes, because yeah. then you are also not just building it for yourself, you're building it for other generations also. And research shows also that these kind of companies do much better job for their employees. Uh, they um, um, uh, they are much more uh, stable also in crisis, such as Corona crisis. Okay. So they are much more stable. They don't uh, get bankrupt that uh, that often. Um, so I think it's a very good approach what you're taking is that you're investing and you're staying there forever. Yep. It's a nice statement also. We can support you forever. Um, and of course, some some of them will fail. That will happen also. But of course, you can you can work with the entrepreneur and you make sure that the, the business will be successful also in the long run. Definitely, because if you are a perpetual owner, you're also a pro provider of permanent capital. Um, so yeah, we are we are there to stay. Uh, and, and coming back to your family uh, businesses, Ronald, I think there is a big thing going on in this family business and family offices space uh, because economy was okay yeah. the past uh, five years for entrepreneurs. So a lot of family offices uh, gained traction, but also gained wealth. And I think they are the one of the better uh, investors also from an alternative finance perspective going forward right it's interesting because i think uh part of this this type of funding which we're discussing here is is it does well covered by the s of esg the social side of investing people often uh, forget about it. there's a lot of a lot of green and environmental which is obviously important but you have the s which is social uh, would you both agree that this is um part of that equation uh, ronald like totally and 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 i also want to toss it to back to dan also another question so how do you look into to employee ownership in your in the, in the businesses you are investing in uh, yeah it's in our term sheet it's defined that uh, 10 percent uh, of the cap table should be owned by uh, by employees good yeah it's a hard requirement from the fund and very interesting because uh, we've done some research on employee ownership and we've seen that it's still very small in the Netherlands, uh, especially compared to uh, to other countries. And one of the reasons why, from a macro perspective and an ecosystem perspective, why it's good to have employee ownership is that when your company is growing, you can also distribute your wealth to more people than just the founders or the investors. You can also distribute some wealth to your entrepreneurs. Yeah. And then you get some entrepreneurial recycling where they will become the next level uh, of entrepreneurs, the next generation of entrepreneurs. 
Is there any result also that 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 um, having employees owning equity also uh, changes their attitude on the workplace? Is it is it a, is it a, is it a positive uh, influence? Yeah, it has a lot of positive influence. There's a lot of research done uh, about uh, the positive influence of employee ownership. Uh, so it's it's focused on uh, more innovation. Uh, also, the profitability is uh, a little bit better. Not not even that much better. Um, but it's it's more indeed, indeed about the innovation and also the uh, the stability of the company itself. Right, yeah, and, and it makes it makes uh, the people that work in the organization, the employees or the or the founders, it make them uh, more rational as well when it comes down to doing follow up investments. If it's your capital as well, right, then you think twice whether you're going to have that very neat office in the center of Amsterdam or that another office somewhere in uh, another area right, right. So will we'll do as well. Yeah, no. yeah, interesting. When you're choosing, uh, uh, Dan, when you're choosing uh, companies, do you use an advanced algorithm to, to, to select the viability of startups? Um, honestly, um, I... Yeah, it could be advanced. It's not an automated algorithm. <laughs> ah, it's not automated. Because there's nothing ah. <laughs> that you have in your hands. No, right. There's only a plan. Yeah. There is a, a, a brilliant woman or man with a brilliant plan, mm -hmm. but it remains a plan. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, one of the most important parts of the algorithm is that I think we are reasonably able to assess whether someone is a vertical market expert or not. Right. And if she or he has the earned secret. The earned secret. Could yeah. you define that? What does that mean? The earned secret is a specific insight that someone has in that vertical market based on experience, based on uh, their own intelligence. Right. Which is really differentiating when you compare it to existing solutions or uh, an, a problem that is arising in a certain vertical and that can be addressed. And that's what we call an earned secret. Oh, right. And there's some algorithm and some... Some special source. Right. I also gather that you have somebody, a little bird told me, that you have a list of words which, if you find them in your presentations, you're automatically uh, alert. Ecosystem. Ecosystem is a word you should not put <laughs> in your presentation. For example. Yeah, uh, uh, right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So you have a kind of some warning lights. Yeah. Unicorn. Unicorn. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Very cool. We better not tell uh, the startup listening to too much because otherwise they'll just take all those words out of their presentations. Don't give away all the secrets. Okay. Gentlemen, we've now come to the dilemma part of the show. I will, uh, I will say a dilemma. I will say a statement and you guys will react to what you think about this. I'll start with you, Ronald, and the dilemma is the same for both of you and it's as follows. Incumbent banks should really stay away from startup finance. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah, great. I can That's elaborate great. on it, but it's no. No, it, it, it's not their job. They don't have the capacity, they don't have the, the inside knowledge. Um, and there is not much, especially for startup banking, there is not much for them to... Um, to, there's no data for them to right. uh, to use. So uh, and the way incumbent banks are currently organized is everything is digitized. They don't have personal connections uh, and they don't have account management anymore. So that doesn't work. And we see it in the numbers. It's it's uh, it's getting uh, getting worse. Um, what they can do is support organizations that have. Uh, the direct connections with the startups. Right. But that's a different way. But yeah, they shouldn't indeed. do it themselves. Okay, Dan, what's your reaction to, to, to the dilemma? 
Well, they are going uh, through tough times again. Oh, we'd have to feel the sorry for the incumbent <laughs> banks. Oh, I, I think uh, honestly that's their societal obligation to play a big role in uh, ah. in, in funding and helping uh, SME startups. Oh, very interesting. So, so uh, what do you advise banks to then do? Because Ronald feels they're no longer capable, uh, or if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I hope that's kind of what you said. Well, if, uh, I, how, rela if I relate it to the, the, uh, the Vertical Market Software Venture Fund, um, banks know a lot about verticals. They have these sector analysts, uh, they build a lot of knowledge around those verticals or specific industries, and they can make connections with their funding uh, instruments, funding uh, uh, means to, to help these SMEs out a bit better than they are doing so, today. So they're not doing it effectively at the moment, no. you, you believe? No. Um, and I know they want to do things at scale, but you can template it. You can templated term sheet, for example, for, right. for a starting, uh, starting entrepreneur uh, to help him out or her out uh, on his business plan and uh, yeah, be an honest advisor, financial advisor to them and provide some, some debt as well. Right. Uh, and so, some of the incumbents have a, an equity fund uh, which they could use to, uh, to provide some uh, preferred share uh, equity of some. Right. So, but, but is, there a, I mean, is there a dilemma within the incumbents as far as you know at the moment in terms of the fact that, that they're not really doing much of it the at the moment? The tickets are too small for them. It's too much of a hassle for them. So they have to resolve that problem because, yeah. as, once again, it's their societal obligation to uh, help yeah. entrepreneurship in the Netherlands or other countries where the incumbents operate. Yeah. Um, Ronald, you obviously, I mean, do you disagree with Dan? Do you, do you see possibilities there? I, you look quite skeptical, if I may no, say so. Yeah, no, I see, of course, I see possibilities. And it's not that incumbent bands are not financing any SMEs or startups at all at this moment. Uh, but what I see is that it's uh, the way they're organized now and also their their year, their plans they have, uh, it will not change uh, this fast. Uh, I agree with Dan that they can have a very good role in advising. And if they have some equity indeed, that would also be useful. But their primary product is lending. And their lending in small tickets, that's not how they are uh, structured and, and how they're able to provide some lending to, to small SMEs. Of course, they can find several solutions. So I mentioned already, they can co-finance funds or uh, alternative finance providers, provide capital, and they can distribute the capital, for example. That's one way of doing it. They can start their own fintech solutions. Uh, so, so several banks in Europe and also in the Netherlands start their own lending solutions, for example. Right. Um, but they can also, of course, take over an, an existing fintech solution, uh, at least if they're not funded by you, but because that's not possible, <laughs> but some of the other fintech solutions. Uh, so in the Netherlands, for example, we have NIBC Bank who funded uh, BQIP. It's a lease uh, company. Right. Uh, it's a very specialized company. And nowadays, it's 100% owned by the bank. Right. So it's that's another way of them uh, addressing this market. So a lot of these fintechs, a lot of the alternative finance providers are also still figuring out their right product market fit uh, right. and, and how to scale and how, uh, of course, it works on a very small scale. And then you have these personal connections that work. But how do you scale these alternative finance providers? How do you uh, get access to capital? How do you have your deal flow? Uh, that's, that's a way they still have to find. 
And perhaps sometimes the, the, the markets are too small. So the Dutch market is quite small, for example. Right. So therefore we see now this more European focus also in the alternative finance. Uh, a good example is the crowdfunding industry, for example. Since uh, two years, we have uh, a European crowdfunding regulation, and it gives the possibility for crowdfunding platforms to operate all over Europe. Okay. So this opens up a complete new group of potential investors um, and also for, for crowdfunding platforms to operate everywhere in Europe. And it's a matter of persistence, stamina. Uh, Ronald is driving the crowdfunding uh, community for uh, for a long time. Community is another right. one. Uh, we have uh, once in introduced uh, a crowdfunding mortgage, it was called Jungo. Right. And uh, 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 90% was funded by an incumbent uh, funder and 10% was funded by the crowd. Right. And when it turned out to be a success, then the major funder actually dr drew back and the product was gone. Huh? huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of... I don't understand that. I don't understand because it's the a logic. Because it's a margin business. Eh? So if you look at residential mortgages, it's a margin business. And if right. the margin doesn't flow to the incumbent funder, then it flows to the crowd. Right. So you have some margin erosion that's going on there. Right. Uh, but nevertheless, the product concept is being picked up and it will it will come into play again. Um, I'm sure about that. But it's, yeah. it's a long play or long-term play and if you've got the regulations or the directives in place then that will always attract new players right well, gentlemen i'm afraid we've come to the end of the podcast uh, time flies when you're having fun um we may have we heard some interesting soundscapes there early on during the podcast of people rebuilding the beach outside so uh, if you heard some strange noises that's what it was i'd like to thank our guests uh dan dykhausen thank you for having me here i enjoyed it and ronald claverland thank you for having me here yeah, you're very welcome. It's been great to have this discussion and the sun has just come out, which is excellent, excellent news. Um, I'd like to thank everyone behind the scenes who made this podcast happen and to you, the listener, for joining us. The Lending Bean was brought to you by Findu, the end-to-end software-as-a-service lending platform. That's all from me, Mike Cooper, from this episode. Check out the show notes if you'd like more information or visit findu.com. We hope you'll like, follow, rate and review The Lending Bean. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Meanwhile, stay safe and stay solvent. We hope you'll join us again for the next edition of The Lending Bean. <laughs>